0: Everything has meaning. Trying to find those meanings is the crux of what we do as we reconnect and rediscover things about ourselves. Being reunited with people long absent and sometimes entirely forgotten can fill us with a new vigor that we had previously been missing. It revitalizes us and gives us a new calling on our own paths. I'm calling from Elm Lake. I'm currently sitting in the Owl's Nest Diner, staring at a breakfast sandwich that I never thought I'd miss. Emilia is here as well, and she's already wolfed down hers now nursing a cup of dark coffee. Lorraine is bustling around behind the counter, smiling the smile of someone who assumed that everything was lost and would never be found. She takes moments to pause and converse with the doll on the counter, constantly addressing it as George. I can't quite place why But that name seems so incredibly familiar. And the idea of Lorraine being paired with George in some way also makes more sense than I thought it would. But for whatever reason, the meaning behind this connection keeps eluding my grasp. I've thought about trying to interrupt Lorraine as she has been busying herself in the kitchen, but it's never felt like the right time. I considered asking for perhaps a bowl of oatmeal, or maybe even a glass of juice. Something to pair with the breakfast sandwich. But every time I've been about to speak, Lorraine turns to the doll she calls George, mutters something, and scurries off again. I don't even think she's actively working to prepare any food, since Emilia and I are the only ones here. No, it feels more like she's busying herself in return to something approaching normal. normal what even is normal at this point it's become clear that something is dramatically not normal currently in Elm Lake before I noticed Amelia getting lost in thought I was able to gather that much she seems to believe that whatever is wrong is tied to the dolls that have been popping up all over town I wanted to ask where her own doll was, but as I was forming the words, she quickly shook her head and looked away. It became clear that now isn't the right time to talk about this. Not that I'm quite sure when the right time will be. I have to trust that Amelia knows what she's doing and that she'll inform me whenever the correct time is. In the meantime, I guess I'll try to work my way through this sandwich. It'll help me take my mind off the fact that I'm feeling a sharp pain over not being near my own doll. Although, the more I think about it, Or I think that it wouldn't have been able to come inside the owl's nest even if I'd brought it with. I think the only doll that can be here is the one Lorraine keeps calling George. Almost as though there's some sort of connection. Again, though, whatever that connection is escapes me. And it's become abundantly clear that now is not the time to have any of my questions answered. It's when I look up, just past the sandwich sitting before me. My eyes fall in the basket, and without warning, a single name reverberates through my mind. Jenny Fowler.
1: I know Anthony has questions. He keeps staring at both me and Lorraine with such a pregnant look, and we're both far too busy to entertain whatever he's working through. Lorraine is trying to reestablish the owl's nest, hoping against hope that the two of us aren't the only ones that will be able to regain entrance. I am working on much bigger problems, and those problems revolve around the Bunker. I suppose I shouldn't say problems, I should say solutions. It's clear that there is something nefarious happening to Elm Lake, and if my guess is correct, it's tied to the glass eye. It's why I specifically left my doll at home. I didn't want any additional prying eyes, and I certainly wasn't ready for any potential guilt trips that could come out of the thing. I don't know if it's strictly surveillance or something harder to discern, but whatever is happening to our town is tied to those creations. And the more I think about everything that's happened, the more I think the solution lies within control. I think I need to head back to the bunker, figure out how they were able to construct their loops, and attempt to create one that ensures the glass eye never opens its doors. I don't have the first idea how those time loops were created. As much as I like to tell myself that I have a scientific mind, the mere notion of time loops feels more like science fiction than anything else. Coupled with that shady, hard to understand purpose, and it slips from fiction more towards horror, The kind of horror that makes me doubt in everything I thought I'd experienced. Hearing the tapes from previous experiments made me realize that all of us here have lived more lives than we can ever understand. Depending on how many times we were reset, we could all have hundreds of years of experience, all crystallized down into the relatively short span of years that we can remember. It's entirely possible. and. I would hazard a guess that it's highly likely the families and relationships were formed during those previous experiments, and that those connections were all erased with a simple push of a button. I can't be entirely positive about this, of course. The loops may not have actually reset time, they may have simply caused an erasure of our experiences during that time. Nobody in Elm Lake seemed any younger after I pushed the button than they had before, but that was a relatively short span, all told. If there had been any children here, I might have been able to see with more certainty, but Elm Lake is not a good place for children. So, here I sit, in the Owl's Nest Diner, I'm watching Lorraine bustling about in the kitchen, setting aside recipes and menus for the hope that others will rediscover her business. She's asking Anthony for information about what's happening outside, and he's recounting what he can, including the recent snow accumulation and disappearance. And it makes me realize that, while we were unable to remember this diner existing, Lorraine has been unable to leave. The fact alone steals me. It strengthens my resolve. I glance at the basket that has been brought inside, seemingly set into a place of honor at the counter. Where is its owner? She's never far from it, which tells me something terrible has happened. If this is going to work, I'll need Jenny involved, somehow. For now, though, I'm working through my plans. My need to enter the bunker that, ever since I pressed the button and we escaped, has been missing. Covered by a cabin and a hill, down in the depths of the structure, a room filled with electronics is waiting. And there, I'll work to construct a new loop. A loop that doesn't include dolls or Marissa or Samantha. A loop where eyes are not unblinking, nor constructed out of glass.
0: Emilia is still hunched over the counter frantically scribbling something down. I want to ask what she's working on, but something about her presentation tells me to leave her to her devices. Thankfully, Lorraine at least has stopped being quite so preoccupied with restoring the owl's nest to its previous state, and has taken to asking me about the outside. I talk about the snows, and she sits in awe. I don't know why, as the streets were clogged with the stuff. I start to steer the conversation towards the new storefronts I've seen and the seeming growth of the glass eye, but she clucks her tongue and pushes the words away. George doesn't like to think about those things, she says, and I find it impossible to continue. Lorraine heads back to the kitchen and I carefully take a bite of my sandwich. Before long, my meal is gone, my coffee cup has been refilled, and my eyes drift towards the basket once again. Jenny's name still rings through my mind, like a bell chiming over and over again, trying to drive me towards questions I can't even begin to guess. Finally, I ask Lorraine if she's seen Jenny recently. Maybe we just happened to miss her when we came into the diner. Lorraine's eyes grow dark and cloudy. The words drip viscously from her mouth almost as though she isn't even the one speaking. She tells me that Jenny is in danger and that she hasn't been seen in days. That it might already be too late. That the basket with meanings not understood acted as something of a safeguard But without it, Jenny is just as much at risk as the rest of Elm Lake. I feel my blood go icy cold, and my breath catches in my lungs. I think those strange plastic patches that I kept hallucinating and the thought of Jenny suffering from a similar fate strikes like a gong I need to find her somehow I'm not sure how but I suddenly realize that Amelia needs her for some purpose more than she's ever needed anyone else That without Jenny, the whole thing could fall apart. There's only one lead as to where Jenny could be. I need to head to the glass eye.
2: Hello? Can anyone hear me? No answer. It's so dark where I am. And cold, numb. I was asleep, or at least I think it was sleep. Everything is numb. My limbs don't seem like they want to move, try as I might. I try to wiggle my fingers with no response, the same for my toes. Nothing wants to move properly, no matter how much my brain screams at it to do so. The last thing I remember is coming to the glass eye, Marissa taking me back behind the counter into the workshop, and then darkness. Sudden, overpowering darkness. My ears suddenly pick up the sound of movement off to my right. I try to turn my head despite the darkness, hoping to maybe catch a glimpse of something. Even that motion is impossible, a futile effort. It's like sleep paralysis, but I know I'm fully awake and I should have full range of motion. The sound to my right draws closer. It's footsteps. A sharp intake of air, someone whispering that it's beautiful, and then, again, Nothing. I am stuck here, unmoving, unwilling to speak, just waiting. Slowly, a red ribbon is pulled away from my eyes, which I am horrified to find are unblinking. Wooden hands pull away at the fabric, and the light washing in would cause me to squint if only I could. Standing in front of me, a twisted grin. I see Samantha, and it's clear that she has been waiting for just this moment. Her triumph was waiting.
0: Calling from Elm Lake, Episode 42, Building a Loop, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Amelia Ashford is Maddie Stewart. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our stories so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold new tales within our universe. You can also join us at www.patreon.com callingfromelmlake to help support us as independent artists carving out our own space in this creative world. You can find us sporadically posting on social media if you're looking for a little extra strangeness. Meaning exists all around us. It appears in the most random of times and the most innocuous of situations. The more simple and basic an act can seem, the more meaning can be attributed to it. This is doubly true when searching for a meaning to life. Be cautious about spending too much time and energy searching for those hidden meanings, however. Those who exert the most to uncover the hidden meanings that surround us are the ones least likely to truly be enriched by them.